one and all, it is time for another edition of the wildly popular Driving You Crazy podcast. Uh, wildly popular might be a stretch at this point. Uh, I am your host, Jason Luber, the traffic anchor here at Denver 7 News. And I am Joseph Peters, overnight producer at Denver 7 News. Jason, I heard we were like number 1,472 on the iTunes charts. What? I we actually made that number up. Oh, okay, good, because... I know Amazon take, keeps track of, like, the top booksellers, but okay. Well, at least we're, uh, we're, at least we're not 2,364. There you go. All right. Uh, the big news this past week has been, obviously, the election, right? Uh, my policy when it comes to talking politics usually is I always take the advice from Linus from Peanuts. Uh, it, he always says, there are three things I don't talk about with people, religion, politics, and the Great Pumpkin. So that way I stay out of trouble. It's smart. I, I'm going to take the same policy, at least for the time being. Uh, and, but I've been asked several times in the past few days, after the election, what I think is going to happen as it pertains to roads, road construction, that sort of thing. Because infrastructure improvements and transit, uh, as the Trump presidency starts in 2017, has been the focus of a lot of people and and what's on their minds and how it's going to really affect us here in Colorado. So numerous times during the uh, campaign, Mr. Trump had uh, pledged to spend nearly a trillion dollars on infrastructure. That's quadruple to what Hillary Clinton was proposing. Now, it's said that President-elect Trump is going to make some infrastructure uh, plans his number one or at least one of his top priorities because the pundits who follow this stuff, they say it's going to give him one of those speedy bipartisan uh, wins, members of both parties agreeing to spend money on roads. They like to spend money on roads and bridges and airports and other infrastructure, mainly because it's us, the constituents, we want these sort of things, right? Uh, and I've read that one formal, former Capitol Hill staffer, he said, quote, the smell of hot tar is an aphrodisiac to legislators, unquote. Well, whatever it takes, right, Chase? <laughs> so last year, you know, Congress passed a five-year, $305 billion highway bill. President Obama signed it into law. It's expected that Mr. Trump is going to spend a mu- or send a much larger infrastructure plan to Congress. And if they approve it, uh, then Democrats is going to see it as a measures bill. And Republicans will look to su- put some sort of maybe tax measure, tax cut measure as a part of it. So it could be a win-win for both sides. Um, just about every presidential candidate over the last three decades has promised to address the deteriorating roads, bridges, rail system. And, and you remember the President Obama's, the, the original Recovery Act, the American Recovery and Re- Reinvestment Act? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was originally known as the, uh, well, most people called it the stimulus plan, right? Just the stimulus. Yeah. Right, and that's what people called it, just the stimulus, right? Well, it was his plan to bring the country out of the recession of 2008, spend a lot of money on different uh, programs, and uh, some of that was road building and bridge building and that sort of thing. And there's no doubt that the money was a boost to road and bridge construction, especially here. But it only seemed to me to scratch the surface of all the work that really needs to be done, not only here, but also around the country. And it it didn't also seem to be that efficient. There were so many rules and regulations, difficult bidding processes to get the money and then for the states to use that money and then do the construction. So it really slowed things down. Now, Colorado did benefit from the stimulus money. Colorado and CDOT uh, completed 115 projects. They spent $386 million and also spent another $12.5 million in federal transit money. Now, some of the projects, like maybe you haven't seen it, maybe you have. The Alameda Bridge that's over I-25, the new bridge there? By the now Safeway, former Albertsons, correct? 
Uh, kind of, yeah. That's farther down, closer to Broadway. But this okay. is the one, yeah, over I-25. That was replaced with the funds. Uh, there's a big roundabout now at 96th Avenue at I-76. Uh, there were a ton of projects, uh, over 100 projects that were done. Now, it's not known how much of the infrastructure spending that Trump is proposing could go to upgrading buses and trains or, or building and expanding new ones. It's expected that most of the money is going to head to roads and bridges. The additional stimulus money might might change... Also, the amount of yearly funding we see, because the, 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 like you saw, the, uh, the, every year the federal government sends the state's money and, and we spend a, a certain amount of money on, on roads and bridges, maintenance and, and projects, that sort of thing. Right. So will this change that f- formula? I don't know. Well, let me interject with a quick thought exercise for you because a trillion dollars, which is what it sounds like Donald Trump is proposing, is a very... Nice number. It's more than what Obama was going to put out there. But at the end of the day, if you were going to repair every single road in America, just hit them all at one time, how much money would that cost in theory if you were going to put a ballpark number on it? Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. And that's kind of my point. Trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. You could spend all of the money on the planet and you would still find issues in the roads. It's one of those things where you can get to like 80, 85%, but you're never really going to get to a hundred percent. You perpetually have to maintain these things and eventually they will wear out and eventually you're going to have to replace them, whether it's a bridge or a road or whatever the case may be. So yeah, you're going to spend that kind of money, but it needs to be spent a lot over a lot of years. Right. I mean, that trillion may just be what's needed to bring us up to 70% of the roads are in good shape. Yeah. And I've heard several times that Trump might be looking to stretch out all the money by using this public-private partnership method where private companies uh, use a combination of public-private money, and then the company is reimbursed over a long time. We've seen that on Highway 36, where the Plenary Roads construction, which they basically did the construction, took took their money up front to build the road, and they're being reimbursed by getting tolls. That's mm-hmm. how a lot of these, that's why we're seeing here in Colorado a lot of these express lanes, these toll lanes, where they're paid back, and then the state will also pay them back over a certain amount of time with some extra inset of money and uh, interest, basically. That's how those companies will make, because the companies are in it to make money. Right. Well, and that's a, it's a, the public-private partnership model we're also seeing at the airport right now, actually, mm-hmm. as they work on trying to get more funding to expand Jeppesen and the Great Hall out there. One of the things that they're working on is an agreement where the company that comes in and does that construction work will also receive a share of, I believe it's the, uh, I, I don't want to call it concessions, but restaurant um, income and things of that nature for an extended period of time far beyond the period of time where the construction is finished. Right. And that's and that's the model. And so that's a way for this for the government to be able to stretch their money for private businesses to be able to get involved and then hopefully make the programs whether it's like you talked about with the airport or with the roads and make them more viable and more of them viable than just spending or right, the government spending this much money and then it's done. So Right. But but there are advantages and disadvantages to both sides. Now, many communities that, that have been tired of waiting for Washington have moved, moved forward with their own plans to do public transportation options, because we don't know how much money might be going to public transportation with this plan. So like Seattle, LA, Los, uh, uh, Atlanta, as well as other cities passed local transit spending measures so they can get their trains and buses uh, going. Trump did say that during the campaign he wants to spend money on public transport, but we don't know how much that's going to be and and how it's going to play out, but we'll find out, obviously, in the coming months. 
Um, and, you know, we, we've already seen a big stock price jump for a lot of companies involved in these things because they can see the, the money on the wall, if you will. Right. Um, a cat that makes the large machinery, Vulcan materials. They supply concrete and sand and gravel. Uh, there's engineering companies, architectural companies that will all benefit from the spending. And, of course, the increase in construction means a lot, a lot of jobs and good paying jobs and, and decent jobs for a lot of folks. It's actually going to help us here in Colorado because not only those people, they, they, um, they spend money on a new work boot and their new work clothes. Or they go buy some lunch over at the at Subway or the local sandwich shop. And so those businesses have some extra money. So that's the way that these good-paying jobs, construction jobs, can help us out here in Colorado. Not only do we get to see the roads but and the bridges and all that construction, but we also have a benefit with the people actually spending more money. Now, do you think this might be a situation where Colorado becomes a victim of its own success? I mean, we have a relatively low unemployment rate, and if they're going to base this on getting the most jobs to the most needy communities, Colorado may quickly fall out of the running. It is going to help us out, but it's also going to hurt us in the in the short term, at least, because with more jobs, like just with the pot industry, it brought a lot of new people in. We've seen an influx of people on the roads and, and in and around the state, and it makes it a little bit more crowded. It, it taxes the infrastructure, if you will. But the same thing could happen with the construction because we're going to see more money coming into the state. We're going to see more folks heading in here for those jobs. And hopefully it'll be distributed maybe around the country. But with more people moving here and or taking advantage of these these jobs, we are going to see more people on the road. We're going to see more people working. We're going to see more congestion on and off the highways. Um, we're going to have to navigate, obviously, around the cones and the construction areas. Right. So that's going to be somewhat tricky. But it's but it's all I see it as a good thing. Yes, they're they're going to be inconveniences, but those inconveniences, I think, are still going to be worth it for all the infrastructure improvements uh, that we're going to see here in the state. Yeah, I could see that. And I think part of uh, people get so frustrated when they see the construction cones because you, you never really get to appreciate the finished product. That's not the way humans are wired. We see the construction cones, we're like, ah, more work. And then we see the finished project, they're like, that's okay. Yeah. You know, anecdotally, I've heard from a few folks over at CDOT that it, um, if really, if not all, most of the construction projects are going to be put on hold coming up in the coming years. And they know that their budgets are going down. And they know that we the costs are going up for construction-related materials, that sort of thing. So once they're done finishing some of the projects that are already on on schedule, and then it's going to be over without the stimulus money. Well, only time will tell, obviously. And I think the uh, the Trump administration is going to move pretty quickly with a lot of these these plans, whether it's this plan, you know, tax reform, the um, health care reform, all these different plans, they're going to just really crank stuff out. So we'll see how quickly Congress wants to approve this money, because it's not just the president just, here, take the money. We have money. Here, have money. Right. It doesn't work that way. They're going to figure out a plan to disperse it to the individual states, which state gets which cut of the pie, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. So knowing what's on CDOT calendar, I do not. I'm sure that you have some idea of the projects that they're working on at this point. Where could you see that money being put to use first, something that's off the table right now because of the Colorado budget cuts? I think there'd be a lot of talk about some kind of a train and or transit option for I-70 into the mountains. Now, my feeling on the I-70 train idea, because there's always been a train idea, and I actually testify, this is back a bunch of years ago, 
uh, to a to a uh, House subcommittee on transportation about the train idea, and it's just so much money for what kind of a benefit. Now, it'll be great if you're from Texas or California or wherever, and you fly into the airport, Denver International Airport, and you can jump on a train, and you can go all the way to Vail, and take your, you know, just take your family with you, and then go all the way back, because it won't cost you that much money. But for me, who lives here in Metro Denver, for me to try to drive to a train station with all my ski equipment, get on the train, just and then go up to a, a ski area, that's one thing. Like going to Winter Park for the ski train. That's more of a, a fun... Novelty. It is. It, it really is. And, and that's, all the, that's all it's been over the however many years the ski train has been around. And that's why they're bringing it back, because it is a bit of a novelty. Mm-hmm. But during the summertime, where we see more traffic on I-70 than even during the wintertime, why would I want to get on a train in downtown Denver, park my car... And then take the train with my family that'll probably cost around $100 at least one way. Go to, let's say, Vail, get dropped off, and then what am I going to do? I usually, if I'm going to the mountains, I want to, and most people are taking their campers, they're going hiking, they're taking their RVs, they're uh, uh, taking their ATVs, that sort of thing. And they're going to different places in the mountains to do different kinds of activities. They're not just going to a specific spot to do a specific recreation, i.e. skiing. Correct. So you're going to spend all this money on this train for one specific activity during one specific time of year. Yes. And then it will be basically empty all the other time. So I'm hoping that is not – I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk about that, but I hope that is not one of the options where money goes to. Because that seems like one where common sense would prevail. You have tens of thousands of people who use some of the most prominent highways in this state on a daily basis, and that seems something that – for lack of a better term, only the bougiest of bougie people would be using. Is yeah, I'm not going to spend that kind of money to do that. Right. Like lay people like us. I mean, if, if I'm going out to Vail, I want to have a car there, as you were saying, just so I can get from point A to point B. Yeah. And I don't want to be married to the idea of, well, I need to be at X location at X time. Otherwise, I'm going to miss this train. I'm going to be stuck lugging around my skis for the next hour and a half. Yeah. It's just... it. Anyway, so the I, I do think, though, some of the money will go to some kind of option to figure out what they want to do with increasing traffic flow on I-70, whether it's another express lane that they already have on one side, they'll get another express lane up there, they'll widen the highway of some sort, but there will be improvements, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, talked about on I-70 heading west. Then you'll see, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it fast-tracks the a widening of I-25 south of Castle Rock down into Colorado Springs from two to three lanes. I wouldn't be surprised if it also helps fast track some more of the widening and improvements up north along the North 40, which is basically Erie, Loveland, Longmont, you know, up that way. Because they've already started to widen the highway, but there'll be more of that, I think, up that way. And even improvements on Highway 85 up towards Greeley and Fort Lupton and that sort of thing. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if we just see some of the deteriorating bridges and just the routine things that need to be replaced around here get done. Maybe it would help fast track some more work and more widening on 470 or even uh, connecting. There's always the talk about connecting 470 around to gold and that'll never happen. Golden will never allow that to Sorry, happen. Sorry, Golden. No, never ever will allow it to happen. Anyways, there, so we could see Highway 93 improvements. So there are some there are some roads that could be improved, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Well, and I think you hit on a really good point, which is that the lion's share of this money, in my mind, is going to go straight to bridge repair. 
because when every time they talk about reports of how many bridges are not up to code in this country, it's a scary percentage of bridges that are not. And so the money just to bring all those bridges up to code will probably eat up a large portion or at least enough of a portion of this transportation allocation. Yeah. And it, we could see a lot of the money head to the eastern, eastern states, the northeastern states. Well, I don't know. We'll see. It's we'll Trump. It He's a New York guy. It's all going to New York State. That's right. Uh, so maybe this is a good time to uh, take a break and uh, and listen to some promos by our morning staff here on Denver 7. Uh, we'll be back with more of the Driving You Crazy podcast and talk about another big story that happened this week uh, that is a proposal by the Department of Transportation to charge you for driving the miles you drive rather than the gas you use. We'll talk more about that and other issues as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I'm Lisa Hidalgo, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. What's driving you crazy? The mailbag is next. Here's the deal, and here is the deal. This is the best newscast in Denver. And I'm not just being biased because we're on it, but we've got everything you need every single morning. We're fun, yet we're informative, and we get you out the door with what you need to know. Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7. Denver 7 on the weekend is a great way to start your day. You get all of the news, the weather. We talk about what the weather's going to be like heading into your weekend plans, if it's going to affect it, if you want to head to the mountains. We have a good time, and we'd love for you to join us. Katie LaSalle, only on Denver 7. The key to covering breaking news is getting there as it happens. Get the top stories first on Denver 7 every morning. We have new information right now. Police on the scene, downtown Denver. With dedicated people covering everything that's local to you. Take a look behind me. The storm is intensifying. A severe thunderstorm. First on the scene this morning, Denver 7 taking you there live. Big storms developing in Denver. We are tracking it across the metro area. Breaking news out of Denver. Everything you need to know to start your day. It's the Driving You Crazy podcast with your host, Jason Luber. Welcome back to the Driving You Crazy podcast. Yes, I am Jason Luber, your host today. And I'm Joseph Peters, also known as the Jasonette. And Jason, what's cra- driving you crazy today? I am I am not going to steal that from the Dan Patrick Show. Uh, we, <laughs> all right, there was another big story this week. Uh, it's a plan by the Colorado Department of Transportation to charge drivers for the miles they drive rather than collect tax money on the amount of gas they buy. Because right now, they, if you want to, to collect money for the state, they use the gas tax, and this is a new proposal. So they call this new idea the Colorado Road Usage Charge Pilot Research Study. Yeah, easy for me to say. Okay. Uh, no matter how you say it, uh, this is a test to see if the state can collect more money by charging you for the miles you drive rather than charging you for the gas tax and the gas that you buy. Now, the current gas tax in Colorado is $0.22. Cents. That hasn't changed since 91, so there's been talk in the past about raising the gas tax, but that's never happened. Uh, there is an 18.4 cents, federal gas tax is 18.4 cents for every gallon, so it basically brings it up to about 40.4 cents every gallon of gas you buy is on is taxes, and then the rest is for the fuel and the 
profits and all that other stuff for uh, for the gas. So to complicate matters, there is talk that this fee, air quotes here, would replace the current gas tax. But I have a feeling that this would be a fee added on top of the current gas tax because usually when they add fees, they don't take away taxes in the process. Otherwise, Colorado residents really would pay for roads, uh, pay for the roads and pay for the bridges and all that pay for that money that truckers or travelers who just drive through the state would would not be paying anything for driving on the roads. Well, and this seems like a proposal that would be a really easy sell to people. You can almost picture the CDOT marketing team right now saying, well, we'll offer them a 15-cent reduction of the gas tax. It'll be like gas is 15 cents cheaper a gallon, and then we'll just call it pay per mile, and they won't do the math to figure out how much that really costs. Now, what the executive director of CDOT says, the, the huge increase in population that we're expecting over the next 20 years, that the state's going to need more money for highway maintenance and construction and other funding. He says the state's transportation funding under the current gas tax, the current amount without raising it, uh, will continue to decrease as people buy and drive, buy uh, better fuel-efficient cars, drive more fuel-efficient cars or electric cars. And because you're obviously not buying, if you're if you have a car that makes 50 miles a gallon, you're obviously not buying as much gas. And looking at the figures, they include uh, some of the literature that the road usage charge would collect more money than what the current gas tax does. So that's what they want. Really, basically, what they want is more money. That's what it comes down to, bottom line. Now, as part of this research, they're going to study the best way to collect the mileage data. This is where it gets interesting. They can collect it manually. So you could log it on an app. You have an app, and you're just typing in how many miles you're driving. Or you have a non-GPS device that records the odometer, so you can't fudge it, uh, and it also records the amount of gas you use. Or get this, there's a device that they are testing that uses a GPS to calculate the total miles driven, where they can also differentiate if you're driving in-state or out-of-state. If so, so they know where you are, so that's a huge privacy issue I could see. Well, I, my bigger question here is that if you're manually logging the miles, there's no check or balance there. And that sounds like it would be something that would be due at the end of the year on your tax, when you're filling out your tax returns, right? Most likely, yes. But let's say I fudged on my odometer reading for the last five years and I go to sell my car. And on my odometer, I've been telling the state that now I have 57,000 miles, but in reality, I have 68,000 miles when I sell it and I have to fill out that odometer, you know, form that that you sell your car with. Okay. So what happens with that discrepancy? That's where you would get caught, I would believe. Well, that's where the, yeah. I mean, I imagine you'd have to, well, go on. That's probably where you get caught. Anyway, so they have about 100 participants uh, consisting of legislators, transportation leaders, officials, media, and the general public. I was not asked to be a part of this. Uh, I don't know what I would have said if if I would have said yes or no if I was asked. Um, uh, they will start to collect data here in December, and the study will last until April. And then they're going to be debriefed, all the people that were part of this study, and then the findings will be uh, shown to everybody uh, when they're done, probably by next fall. Now, when I was reading through this official press release, I came across this interesting sentence. It reads that this pilot program is part of the process of evaluating the road usage fee alongside other funding alternatives. It did not go into any detail about what the other funding alternatives would be or are under consideration. As I said earlier, most likely keeping the gas tax or at least adjusting the gas tax and having this fee. Uh, I also have mixed feelings about this idea, as probably you do. 
Uh, I just heard that some of the state legislators, at least one of them, he's not happy about this plan at all, and have blasted the CDOT executive director for even suggesting this plan. And a lot of it is over the uh, GPS, the one that follows you, the privacy issue here. As it should be, but go on. So this fee replaces, they say, this fee would replace the gas tax. Then it seems, if it really does do that, then it seems that only Colorado residents would be subject to this fee. What would that do to Uber or Lyft drivers? Um, what, what would delivery drivers, would they be charged more because they're driving a lot more? What about rental cars? If you rent a car, is that going to be built into your rental car Can you, as part of your unlimited mileage package? Well, and would Uber and Lyft be willing to cover the difference for those drivers, or would you wind up in a situation where, yeah, you're right. I mean, I could add up very quickly. People, the riders are going to pay for I it. I mean, I just ran the math on my phone. If your car gets 20 miles to the gallon, the gas tax is netting about 1.1 cents per mile. So if they charged a gas tax of five cents per mile, they'd be cashing out about four times what they're making right now on the gas tax. And what about drivers who live next to the state line or people like one person who works here? He, he actually lives up in Cheyenne and he drives down here. So he's technically a Wyoming resident, but he's driving mostly in the state of Colorado. So I guess at that point, if, if he had one of those GPS devices, he would only pay for the mileage that he drives in the state and not out of state. But if they didn't have that device, then does he, he probably doesn't have to pay at all. Well, and you figure how many people from out of state are coming in here and they don't have the GPS device because their state doesn't require it. And, this, and that, that idea, all right, so Colorado doesn't have a lot of these border cities, but Kansas City. What about Kansas City? The people that live in the Kansas side, well, or St. Louis is another perfect example. If mm-hmm. you're living on either side of the city, then who, what state are you going to pay for the, for the tax? It's true. Uh, not everyone drives on the interstates. Not everyone drives on Colorado maintained roads, the the CDOT maintained roads. So what if I drive on all surface streets that are maintained, let's say, by just the city of Denver, just Lone Tree, Littleton, Weld County, whatever? Do I only track the miles when I'm driving? Let's say because Colfax is a state road. So is federal because it's a state highway. So the state controls that, right? Right. But if I'm driving on 31st Street downtown... If I'm driving on 17th Street downtown, if do I have to keep track of my miles or do I have to separate them when I'm driving on the interstate or some of these other roads compared to roads that are owned and maintained by counties or cities? Well, and if you do do that, how, how much busier do those surface streets get with all the cheapskates that don't want to pay money to use the actual highways? Yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to work. I had a guy on my hockey team when I was playing adult hockey. We had one toll in the state of New Hampshire, and you could get by it by taking side streets. And he took the side streets every single time, even though it added 15 minutes to his drive, because he was that mad about paying the toll. And will this fee will be – I'm, I'm concerned about this. Will this fee be one of many more fees that could be instituted – in the future, that are collected to cover the CDOT budget. Uh, I, I don't have a solution to this problem. The state needs to collect some kind of money for us to drive on the roads. Uh, how the best way to do that is, I, I don't exactly know. What I do know is that human nature is whenever you tax something, you get less of it. Whenever you incentivize, you get more of. At some point, people are either going to drive less or change their behavior dramatically because they'll be sick of paying the gas tax. That's one of the reasons we're seeing higher fuel-efficient cars, electric cars, and people wanting to do that because they're going to be paying less for the gasoline. When the gasoline was at 4 and $5 a gallon, people started clamoring for those higher-efficiency cars because they, they didn't want to pay as much. Same thing will happen with the roads. So the Department of Transportation might charge you for these 
for the miles you drive, well, people will figure it out that they won't drive as many miles or they'll figure out a way to not pay that fee as much and the state will not collect as much as they believe they're going to collect. That's just the way human nature is. Just like your friend on the hockey team that went around the toll every day. It didn't matter if it cost him an extra 15 minutes. He was willing to do it because it didn't cost him as much money. And that expand that to a state of, at this point, it will be probably 10 million or 10 million people residents at that point. Absolutely. Well, and you think, and this is maybe a stretch of a comparison, but how many criminals do you hear about cutting off their ankle monitors and all of a sudden we can't track their GPS location? You really think people aren't going to figure out how to take the GPS thing out of their car and just leave it in their home so they never get dinged for the mileage they pick up? Right. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. And so th- I-, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the breaking point is going to be. But you know when you see it. And that's it. – so it – I don't know. This is going to be something to watch. It's going to be an interesting plan to watch. But there are so many questions here. And maybe those these are some of the questions that they won't have answers for after this test is done. And they might just scrap the test altogether. But usually when they start testing something – they go through with it. I'll tell you what, th- from the outset and from running some very rudimentary numbers, this does seem like something where they're going to clear a lot more money by having this fee than by having a gas tax. The flip side of that is, I think there's a lot of people in this state that are going to feel like they're getting scammed the first time that they have to pay this fee. All right. Let's move on to the mailbag. we got a question from Schwartz Schwartz. Uh, is that an official name, like former Secretary General of the UN, Boutros Boutros Ghali? Is this the infamous double Schwartz? Uh, I don't know if he's infamous. I do know that Schwartz Schwartz is from Jefferson County, and he wanted to know, what's driving you crazy? Why don't the traffic signals trigger off my motorcycle? Uh, well, Schwartz Schwartz, this is a question I get now and then. Uh, Joseph, you've seen those cuts in the road. You've seen those uh, where you stop at the traffic light. You've seen those cuts in the road. How do you think that works? I've wondered about this question for literally years and never gotten an answer. All right, no, most people think that it measures the weight of your vehicle. Right. That it's like a that you drive over like a scales. It's a button. You put your finger on the button and you, it goes no. and you put your car on that the is, button. That's not how it works. Uh, no. It's actually a device called the inductor loop, and it's basically a wire cut into the asphalt. So they cut a, a line into the asphalt. They put this wire down, and it leaves that rectangular cut in the road. It's an electromagnetic field over the coil of wire. In other words, when a car pulls up, it senses the vehicle is there and it changes the light. That's the simple explanation. Now, most motorcycles, scooters, bicycles, even small cars don't have enough conductive material in them to trigger these loops and then change the traffic light. Somebody said on their PT Cruiser it didn't even work. Okay. Uh, so most riders, when they approach the intersection, they, when they get there, they go in the wheel tracks where car wheel tracks are because they don't want to sit in the goop that drips down in the center because it's a little bit more slick with all the oil and, and goop that's down there. Mm-hmm. So, But unfortunately, most inductor loops are not made narrow enough to detect the motorcycle sitting in that position. So one trick that some people use to fool the system is to attach a very powerful magnet, a little magnet, but it has to be really, really powerful, on the bottom of their motorcycle that will then trigger the sensor and change the light. Um, there are mixed feelings about that technique, but but there are some that uh, swear by it, uh, and it's just really not an, it's it's a, not just annoying to the riders. It actually can be quite dangerous too, because there's been some riders that have been hit from behind by distracted drivers as they're waiting there for light to change, light to change. So to help those drivers and the frustration, uh, there's actually 12 states that have they have a law. It's called Safe on Red Law that allows motorcycles to run through that red light. As long as they stopped first, some states require the riders to come to a full stop. 
wait for a little bit. Others make them wait for a full rotation of the light cycle, and some require them to wait for a couple of minutes. So, And then they can continue on red. There's another system that actually I think works a little bit better, and you've seen these. You've seen these cameras at intersections. There's usually some type of a camera up there. Right. Sometimes those cameras are video cameras that they can they can look down on the intersection. But these other ones, they're actually sensors that really detect the presence of a vehicle. And you're basically breaking the plane. You're making it the camera see something unusual. And that's what triggers the light change. They sometimes work better for motorcycles than inductive loops because you can see the motorcycle has a little bit more size, the person with some size, the vehicle with some size. Right. So it can change the light. And it's actually more cost-effective sometimes to install them than cutting the road. Uh, I've heard installers like them because it's safer for them to install rather than cutting in the road and standing in the road there. Uh, So they're also, I think, a better, smarter way to change the lights and can also help in real-time traffic management. So that's basically what happens and why the light won't change if you ride a motorcycle or a scooter. That is fascinating, first of all. And they have this exact technology in my building, and it's why I can't get in sometimes because I'm standing on the thing trying to figure out why it won't take me. The camera technology is going to replace that on every new road that's built, though, correct? Most likely, as that technology becomes cheaper and easier to install and more municipalities can do it. The the inductive loop is really – it's very cheap. It's just basically a wire. That okay. then connects over to the box that you see by the traffic light, um, and it's a little bit more complicated to hook up the camera system. And then some bad weather could uh, play a role in that, too, but um, it, that, that's, that's basically how it works. Wow. Uh, we also had this question. Somebody, it just, they didn't even give a name. It just from name Denver, from Denver. What's driving you crazy? Way too many parking lot hit and runs. Yeah. Uh, I, the only one I can think of is the one that happened in our parking lot. It wasn't a hit and run. It was a hit and stay. But then she had to run because she had to run to a live event. But our own uh, morning meteorologist, Lisa Hidalgo, hit somebody, one of our other reporters, in our parking lot with her big work truck. With a big dent in her bumper. <laughs> now, I wonder if this person is mad about, like, when you open your door and you bang it into the guy next to you. Or if he's Maybe. talking about just straight up backing directly into a vehicle and peeling out so nobody catches you. Yeah. Either way frustrating there's nothing more frustrating than walking out and seeing your damaged vehicle and wondering who did it and knowing you will never find out (laughs) probably not so uh i guess that's all we have for this edition of the the fourth edition i think it was a lovely fourth edition i think we did well yes sir uh of the driving you crazy podcast we do appreciate all the people that have been downloading and listening to the podcast the first four i the audio quality on a couple of them on maybe number two isn't the greatest but you know what we were just getting this thing going. And we don't make excuses either. We no, all, we, we embrace solutions is the great John Taffer And that's said. exactly what we've done. We, I think number three was sounding great, and I'm sure this one does as well. Always sounds great to me, Jason. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of the Driving Your Crazy podcast. Of course, you can always send us an email at the driving, at, uh, driving you crazy podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I think we have a phone number as well, right? That is 303-832-1684. Roger that. And then we could play your uh, cuts on the podcast so you could be podcast famous. And once we break the 1,724 popular podcast, then there we go. All right. Thanks again for listening (laughs) to the podcast. We'll see you again next time. And as always, happy motoring. Thanks for listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast. Podcast.